0: like you breaking through
1: Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed our time of worship here on our Good Friday service. And I know as I'm gathering here in the woods with the camera crew separated by six foot radius, I enjoy seeking the Lord with you and anticipating that this is what you'll be doing. And even as we're here on location and considering you watching right now at your house I think of what Paul said when he wrote the book of Hebrews I'll read it to you he said therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, verse three, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And the reason why this verse keeps coming up in my mind and in these teachings even, and as we gather here around the fire and, consider Good Friday. That is the Thursday night where Jesus would break bread with his disciples and the Friday morning where he would be tried. Not once, not twice, not thrice, but six times. And then he would be pinned to the tree at 9 a.m. on Friday morning. And the reason why we remember that event 2,000 years ago is because if we don't, we're going to get weary and discouraged in our souls. And I don't know about you, but this whole coronavirus and shelter in place and and quarantine, man, it's got me weary and discouraged in certain areas until I set my attention back on Jesus, until I remember what he's done, what he declared, and listen, what he's doing. You see, as we put our minds back 2,000 years ago to the cross, Jesus is gathered there with his disciples at the Last Supper And he actually said those exact words. He said, do this often in remembrance of me. Now the disciples were sitting there on the last supper that Thursday night, late into the night, right around midnight. And the disciples looked at Jesus and I can almost guarantee you as they were listening to him, they were thinking, remember you? (laughs) You're right here with us. What do you mean? Do this in remembrance of you because they didn't understand that there was about to be a test, that there was about to be a difficulty, that there was about to be a darkness unleashed upon planet Earth, and it was not what they expected. And if you're like me right now, most of your life hasn't been what you expected. And so Jesus has asked every person of faith in the testings we go through to latch in to him as an anchor for hope that would keep our souls intact in the tests of life. And I am so glad you guys are joining us here at our Good Friday service online. And, and, I, and I pray as you gather together with your family that you would remember Jesus. And, and tomorrow morning, Saturday, and, and, and then Easter Sunday, you would remember him. And it's actually not that hard to remember him during the services that are alive right now. But I want to encourage you guys Jesus knows everything you're going through in your life right now. He knows the tests and difficulties. As a matter of fact, you can learn a lot from a person by their last words before they die or maybe even their last deeds before they die. And Jesus Christ, just hours before he knew he was going to die, spent his last hours with his friends, close with them, Preparing them for the things that were coming down on them. Knowing that it was going to be difficult. Knowing that it was going to be tough. And I say that to say this. Jesus has prepared you already for such a time as this. He's given to us the words of eternal life. And so this Good Friday, I'm going to take you quickly through the timeline, the story. That you might find yourself gaining strength from what happened 2,000 years ago. And as I brought to your attention just a moment ago, what did Jesus do in the last hours of his life? One thing he didn't do is he didn't quarantine. He didn't shelter in place. Matter of fact, he grabbed his best friends and he had dinner with them. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in chapter 13 of the book of John, I'll read it to you. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from this world, to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What a powerful verse. John 13, one, That when Jesus knew, he looked, he saw, it's the Passover. It's the time now where I'll be delivered up to my Father. And he knew that it was the end. And so the Bible specifically says he loved his people. That's you, that's me, that's them then to the end. And what that means is is that Jesus wanted to have supper with them. It's the Last Supper. They didn't know it was the Last Supper, but it would indeed be their Last Supper with Jesus in that way, knowing that it was leading to his arrest, to his betrayal, to the denial of Peter, to the crucifixion, and to the burial of Jesus Christ. And so as we consider the difficulties we're going through, the times that are being tested in our lives, I want to remind you that Jesus was in full control As a matter of fact, before the meal began, the disciples looked at Jesus and they asked him, hey, where do you want to have the Passover? And so Jesus said, go into the city and you're gonna see a man carrying a pitcher of water. Follow that man and whatever house he goes into, just go into the house with him and then ask him, where do you want us to have dinner? And all of this happened and we don't know if Jesus made reservations previously or if it was a supernatural encounter, but I put the application out there for you and me that Jesus was high controlling everything, just as we learned on Palm Sunday that God is totally in control of all the events of our lives. There are no small details. Everything matters. And so Jesus had the boys go into this room, Peter and John, and they prepared the Passover meal. And Jesus was gonna have this time with them because he wanted to serve them even though he was about to suffer. Mark ten forty five, one of my guideline verses is that the Son of Man came to serve and not be served and to give his life a ransom for many. And this is seen in Jesus' life, even on the eve of his death, serving his disciples by dining with them and fellowshipping. And Jesus gave his disciples instructions and right at the end of the meal, Jesus took the cup and he took the bread and he began to do something different during that particular Passover meal that they hadn't yet experienced. Jesus said, this cup is my blood. It's a new covenant. Spilled for you, take and drink. And he passed it to the 12 and they each partook of the cup. And he took of the bread and he said, and this bread is my body broken for you. Take and eat and he passed the bread around. And when we take communion and we remember Jesus and his death and burial and resurrection, we're partaking of his broken body. We're saying, yeah, that's, that was for me. And when we take the cup, we're reminding ourselves that his blood was spilled. In my place, in my stead, and we can trust him and his blood and his broken body were were enough. And Jesus did this there on that night with his disciples to express his love for them. And you guys know the story. At the end of the meal, Jesus took off his robe and he put on the garments of a servant. And he began to then wash his disciples' feet. Peter resisted this service and didn't want his feet to be washed. And Jesus said, you need me to wash your feet. Even though you're already saved, you don't need a whole bath, Peter. But you do need to be washed. And I want to remind you guys right now. In this world, and we walk through some things we ought not to walk through. We engage in things we ought not to engage in. We see things. We experience things. And yet the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus and the word of God are available to you right now to cleanse you, to wash you, to get you right back to where you need to be. And so maybe even now on this good Friday evening as you're gathered together, just plead the blood. Lord, would you wash me once again? Cleanse me. Lord, maybe you've been stressing out or weirding out or tapping out, doing things you shouldn't be doing during quarantine and shelter in place and isolation. Jesus knows that. He knows. As a matter of fact, at the meal, Jesus looked at Peter and the boys and he said, one of you is going to betray me. And the Bible says that during the meal, they all began to think, is it I? Am I the betrayer? They all, they never, they weren't, they're usually messing with each other and casting shadows on one another. But at this point, they all were so humbled in Jesus' presence. They said, it's gotta be me. It's gotta be me. And and Judas was the betrayer and Jesus dipped the bread with him. And a few moments later, Jesus looked at Peter. They're at dinner and he, and he said, Peter, the devil wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to take you down, but I've prayed for you. And when you are returned and restored, I want you to strengthen the brethren. Now, Peter's listening to this going, uh, when I, I'm, you're saying I'm going to be taken out by the enemy? I'm going to have a dark time? Can, can, I just, can we just bypass that? And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Can you imagine the heartbreak? You see, the provision of Jesus Christ is not just for the sins of our past, but Jesus was making provisions for the sins of Peter's future. See, I believe that the blood of Christ is so sufficient and so efficient that it takes care of our past, that it provides atonement in our present, and it provides security for our future failures. This is what Jesus accomplished at that last supper and as he then took the disciples and they sang a hymn. The Bible tells us that as Jesus left there at the Last Supper, that he walked then to the Garden of Gethsemane. John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17 record this story. The hours of the night were about 1 or 2 in the morning. And Jesus would take his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he would ask them to pray with him 2 or 3 in the morning, And as they prayed, they fell asleep and they were weakened by the food that they had just eaten. But Jesus went off by himself and he prayed. And such anguish was going through his veins that blood vessels were popped in his face and he began to sweat great drops of blood. Jesus praying for the sins of the world, enduring the penalty that should have been mine, that should have been yours. And Jesus, after he had prayed those great prayers, went and woke his best friends up who had fallen asleep on their job. And, and at that moment, the high priest came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as the priest came and the guards and pitchforks and fire and all of the rest, Peter woke up from a slumber. He'd been sleeping while he should have been praying and he pulled out his sword and began to cut people's heads off. And he missed and cut Malchus's ear off. You guys know the story. And as he attempted to cut Malchus's head off, he missed and cut his ear off. And Jesus had to stop Peter and say, Peter, put your sword away. This isn't what we do. You're in the flesh once again. You need to be redeemed. And Peter was being taken down notch by notch. Listen, by painful notch. Until finally he would find himself so embarrassed, so devastated by his own failures in Jesus being the Savior. While Peter was the sinner. Jesus would grab Malchus's ear and put it back on his head and fix his ear. And this miracle was performed and I bet Malchus was a changed man where once he hadn't seen, now he did see. Jesus would be arrested. Jesus would be taken then to Annas' house, the high priest. And he would endure then six separate trials Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas as well would examine him, beating him and plucking his beard out of his face and asking him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus would respond, it is as you say. Blasphemy, they decried as they slapped him and spit upon him. And then they would bring him before the Sanhedrin the next morning, six in the morning. These three trials, all done by the Jewish leadership, would determine that Jesus was guilty, guilty, guilty. And yet you and I know Jesus Christ was innocent, that he himself was bearing the sins of the world. The Bible says that while Jesus was being tried by Annas and Caiaphas and there in the high priest, that Peter had followed at a distance. Peter had seen his savior, his friend, arrested, and he followed him at a distance and he was warming himself just like this fire, outside watching. And one, two, three separate people asked Peter, aren't you one of his disciples, one of his friends? And Some of the lowest moments of Peter's lives was experienced as he denied the Lord. Eventually a little girl came and said, I, I'm, I, I saw you with Jesus, I just did. And Peter said, I don't, Blankety-blank, no. The blankety-blank man. He cursed. And right at that moment, something powerful and miraculous happened. The rooster crowed. And Peter heard it. And at the same time, the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus was led out of the praetorium of Caiaphas' house, about 60 or 70 feet away And the Bible says that as soon as he heard the rooster crow, he knew he had done it. And he looked up and the Bible says that Jesus Christ gazed upon Peter. And he actually beheld Peter in his gaze. He caught Peter. Now you might know what it's like to be caught in the act, to be caught red-handed, to be caught doing something you said you would never do. And yet Jesus, with his eyes of grace, caught Peter. Caught him. Ca- caught him. Like, t- to catch him. Not to catch him like, I got you where I want you. No. To catch him. Can you imagine Jesus? He'd been arrested. He'd been beaten. He'd been denied. And he's still saving. This is why it's so important that we remember on Good Friday and that we remember when we take communion who Jesus is and what Jesus did on the cross. And Peter would see this gaze from his best friend as Jesus would be taken off into the inner prisons that night only to be tried the next morning. Six in the morning, Jesus would be brought back out before the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin would condemn him and send him to Pilate. And Pilate would look at Jesus and he would examine him and find no fault in him. So innocent was Jesus to Pilate that he said, I don't know what to do with you. Why don't you go talk to Herod? And he sent him to Herod and Herod examined him and Herod also couldn't condemn him and sent him back to Pilate. And so Pilate looked at him one more time and said, this man is innocent. He's done nothing that you have condemned him for. And so Pilate bargained with the people. And he said, let's do this here on Passover. It's about 7.30 in the morning. And he said, it is customary that on the Passover celebration that we release a prisoner. A criminal, a freebie, somebody who gets grace, doesn't deserve it. And Pilate suggested, let's let Jesus go. And he offered Jesus to the people. And the people cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And they cried out and requested that they be given Barabbas, Bar-Abbas, bar It means son of Abba. Or the Father. Barabbas, Son of the Father. And here you have this contrast. Jesus, who is the Son of the Father. And you have this counterfeit, this counterfeit Son of the Father. The one who had taken life. He was a murderer, an insurrectionist. And you've got Jesus, who's not a murderer, but instead the giver of life. And these people, sinfully, foolishly, wrongfully, selfishly made the mistake. Listen. (sighs) they took what the world offered them and then rejected what God offered them. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but I know I certainly can. I've taken the bait and taken what the world offers me, thinking that it might bring me peace and life in that moment, only to know and realize and recognize later it was a counterfeit, that it actually took life, that it actually took from me. And and maybe you're, doing that right now in your life and you're saying, give me Barabbas and it's just a close counterfeit but it's not the real thing. What I really believe the Lord is doing during this quarantine and coronavirus is he's examining every single person in the entire world's heart, our soul and asking us, what would you prefer? The things of this world? The things that seemingly give life but actually take life? Or would you prefer Would you accept me more deeply into your life? This mistake was made 2,000 years ago. We remember it tonight so we don't make that same mistake. Barabbas was set free. He was let go. We don't know what came of him, but Jesus was commanded by Pilate at that moment to be scourged, to receive the beatings of a guilty man. 40 lashings minus one, 40 lashings would almost always ever Kill a man. 39 would kill a man very often as they would take the cat of nine tails, this flagellum with leather whipping straps and bones and pieces of metal and glass attached to the ends. And as these flagellums would be laid upon the victim's back and organs, it would latch into their side and then be pulled off of their body. History tells us that during some of these scourgings, rib bones would be pulled out of the victim and thrown across the room. Jesus, who was innocent, found himself walking towards being led as a sheep to the slaughter that was silent before its shearers. And he found himself being tied to the post and the beatings that he endured for my sake and for your sake. Isaiah 53 written 700 years before this event said that by his stripes we are made whole and through his wounds our transgressions are forgiven jesus christ he did this for you he did this for me and we need to remember him lest we become discouraged and weary in our souls guys we're out here the whole camera crew they're all behind you can't see him they're out there we're setting up And there's a little bit of difficulty in putting on an event like this and some discouragement. And right now it's about 32 degrees out, man. It's cold out. And you know what? Why are we doing this? For Jesus. Why do we do anything we do? For Jesus. Remember him. What did he do for you? So we can do for him what he has us to do. And he endured those whippings for you and for me. Now, guys, the Bible is so specific. Inaccurate. accurate in order to detail God's purpose and his intention for your life. Jesus was then led out of Pilate's stronghold after he endured this beating. And the time was about 8.30 in the morning. And as he was led there outside of Jerusalem, he would put his cross on his shoulder and carry it as far as he could. And Simon the Cyrene would be asked to continue to carry the cross for him. And then at 9 a.m. outside of Jerusalem, Jesus Christ would be nailed to the cross. Now inside Jerusalem, this was the celebration of the Passover. At that very time, this is Friday, 9 a.m., the sacrifices would begin in Jerusalem. Hundreds and thousands of lambs would have their necks slit, their blood spilled, The offering giving in order to commemorate what God had done at the Passover as the lambs were slayed in Jesus Christ. Outside the city, his blood spilling from his body, mingling with the ground, running down into the Kidron Valley, joining the blood of the lambs. Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. The Bible says that while Jesus was on the cross, the sky darkened and the earth quaked. That during this time on the cross, the veil in the temple was split in two from the top to the bottom, verifying that Jesus' death was gaining access to every single person to the very presence of God. Jesus said on the cross seven things. And I'm gonna conclude with those seven things. Physiologically, to be able to endure a scourging and then a crucifixion and slowly die of a broken heart as Jesus' lungs and his lung cavity would fill with liquid. Eventually, he would finally asphyxiate, suffer from lack of oxygen, and his heart would explode. He would die of a broken heart. But before he died, Jesus would say seven things. The first thing that Jesus said from the cross was, Father, forgive them for what they do. Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. Do not hold this to their account and Jesus had this compassion and I don't know about you but sometimes I'm compassionate when people apologize to me when people say they're sorry for wronging me or being weird but I rarely and seldom find myself compelled to forgive people who've offended me and aren't sorry kind of want to get back at them at least that's what I do Jesus Christ on the cross said father forgive them they know not what they do Immediately, at that time, there was a thief on Jesus' right and a thief on Jesus' left. One of the thieves made fun of Jesus and mocked him and said, why don't you pull yourself off the cross and get us out of here too, bro, if you're so cool. The other thief had more humility and understanding. And he said, bro, we deserve to be here. He confessed his sin. This man has done nothing wrong. He's innocent and pure. He confessed Jesus' deity. And then this thief looked at Jesus and said, would you remember Me, when you come into your kingdom? And he asked him to forgive him. Would you take me to your kingdom with you? Jesus, I don't know how he was able to look to his left or right, but ignored the heckler thief and then looked somehow at the thief on his right, the one who was asking for forgiveness. And the second words out of Jesus' mouth was an answer to his first words. The first words were, Father, forgive. And the second words were, today, You shall be with me in paradise. Jesus knew this guy was about to die. There's no way out. And by the way, for those of you who wonder about death and dying, see, Jesus overcame the grave and he spoke with confidence. Today, you will be with me in paradise. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We have nothing to fear because of Jesus Christ. Not death, not disease, not a virus, because Jesus Christ is victorious. Today you will be with me in paradise. The next thing Jesus said out of his mouth was to his friend John and to his mom Mary. And he looked at John and he said, John, behold your mom. Take care of my mom, bro. And he looked at Mary and he said, behold your son. Your family now. Isn't that amazing that Jesus, while saving the sins of humanity, yours and mine, (laughs) was also taking care of family business. Jesus is so loving. I'm Encouraged and convicted daily that Jesus wants me to love those right around me and to love them to the end. The fourth thing that Jesus said on the cross was Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that very moment, the sins of humanity were absorbed into Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for you and for me. And God cannot be in the presence of sin. And so in that moment, Jesus and his father were separated for the first time ever because of what you've done and what I've done. And Christ cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In order to endure your sin. It wasn't the nails and the whips that were so intense. But it was that separation from the father that Jesus had never experienced but was willing to experience for you. At this point, Eloi, Eloi, l'ma the ground quaked and shook. And Jesus in his fifth saying said, I thirst his humanity. As he suffered on the cross, he was 100% God, but also 100% man. He knows what it's like to suffer. Are you suffering right now? Do you thirst? Is there a hole in your soul? Is there anguish? Are you all cooped up in your house and running out of toilet paper? Is there stuff going on in your life in quarantine? The answer is yes, and here's the deal: Jesus understands what it means to thirst. The sixth thing that Jesus said on the cross, "Te telestai," it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. This saying then would have more meaning than we understand now. It would mean a new era has begun. It would mean a mission had been accomplished. It would be used to say that a debt had been paid. Jesus said, te telestai. And the seventh thing out of Jesus' mouth was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. See, Jesus did all of this for humanity, for us. Peter was off in the woods weeping bitterly because he denied his best friend. The disciples had left him. They were confused. They were scared. And Jesus was taking care of business. Right now, no matter what's going on in your life, The Lord wants us to take heart and to not be discouraged or grow weary in our souls. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners. This is why we gather on Good Friday. This is why we commemorate him. Guys, you guys know that Good Friday leads to Saturday and then to Easter Sunday. And This Easter Sunday, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ what he accomplished on the cross. And as he went into the center of the earth and preached to the captives there, freedom in Jesus' name. And now we who live 2,000 years later, are you watching what's going on? You realize that we're closer to salvation than ever before? And all of the things that Jesus has declared in his word have come true. And he declares that the things that are happening are gonna usher in his kingdom. I wanna put this challenge out to you right now. As we close, to not be discouraged, to not grow weary in well-doing, to not stop pressing into the things of God, but instead to take ground. How are you gonna do that? You're gonna look to your Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no other way around it. As a matter of fact, if you've been doing church, thinking you're a Christian, doing whatever you do without a direct connection to Jesus Christ, that's what he's after right now in your heart. He wants to get closer to you. So, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes as we ask the Lord to do just that. Father, in Jesus' name, would you move closer and deeper into our hearts? Would you help us to remember who you are, what you've done, and what you're doing? Would you even tonight, Lord, right now, forgive us of our sins? Would you give us, Lord, a restored zeal and joy? Maybe you're watching right now and just humble yourself. No one's looking, eyes are closed. If you're out there right now and, and you need a restored joy, a restored zeal, and you you're all weird, you've been cooped up in your house and got off your path. If you need restored joy, you wanna live your life and not grow weary and become discouraged. Would you raise your hand right now? Just do it, just raise your hand. No one's looking, maybe they are, but they shouldn't be looking. Raise your hand up and just let the Lord anoint you With his love, he understands everything. Lord, would you bless us? Would you, Lord, do a work? I pray that you would revive the church during this time, that we might find ourselves stoked. Even if I were to put wood back on this fire, Lord, it would stoke back up. Would you put wood upon our fire? Lord, would you get us into the word and do a work within us? Thank you for all you've done for us. Lord, we remember you on this Good Friday. Would you be honored in what we've done? We pray for your continued, Lord, help and mercy and protection upon our country, upon our county, Lord, would you end the coronavirus soon? Would you keep us safe? We plead the blood. We put it on the doorposts of our homes and our hearts and our souls. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us first. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. It's not that hard. Draw near to the Lord, the Bible says, and he'll draw near to you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It's not that hard, but you got to do it. And so during this time of quarantine, continue to draw near to the Lord. Journal, write, pray, memorize scripture, repent of sin. You can email us at southbeachchurch@gmail.com at gmail.com or get a hold of us on Messenger or Facebook. We're doing our best to connect with everyone during this time. But you know what? The Lord's actually doing a work in our hearts as well. It's, I'm going to say it, and we might edit this out, but we probably won't the Lord wants you not just to connect and stay connected with the church and pastors but more than that he wants you to connect with the senior pastor Jesus Christ that's what you really need you really need a connection with him so may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with us to him be the glory both now and forever God bless you guys we love you very much we'll see you Easter Sunday morning stay in the book and may the Lord bless you